Sometimes I feel like throw my hands up in the air. I know I can count on you. Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care. But you've got the love I need to see me through. Hello and welcome to the second Life Ready podcast, a presentation of Blind Citizens Australia. I'm Steve Richardson. Thanks for your company. The music you're hearing is that of Florence and the Machine. The track is entitled You've Got the Love, and it's the choice of my guest for this podcast, Rocco Kutri. Rocco grew up in Sydney in what we would consider a mainstream family, attending local school and going on to university before embarking on a career in finance and computer software. Rocco acquired his blindness in his mid-30s, very suddenly losing his sight over the period of a month. One of his greatest desires upon recovery was to feel that he could again be useful to his community. Rocco, thanks for your time. Thanks, Steve. Really great to be talking to you. So tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I grew up um, in Sydney. I've lived here all my life in Sydney. I'm 43 years old, and I guess I had a pretty quote-unquote normal upbringing. Mm-hmm. I was um, two older sisters and, and I went to you know local primary school and a local high school and then went to uni and I, I got a career into finance and then into computer software and then it was a little while after I was married and had my first kid that I got uh, diagnosed with cancer, uh, lymphoma mm. and after undergoing a treatment of chemotherapy I had a an adverse reaction to that when I lost my vision in about a month. Wow. And that happened to me over Christmas 2013. And that was sort of the beginning of a, a new path, I guess, in my life, uh, which was to relearn how to you know, interact with the world, I guess, being a blind person. And a fairly dramatic reaction too, having to do that within the space of a month. You didn't have a lot of time to adjust. Yeah, it was very dramatic and there was a lot of drama at that stage. I had two young kids and I was very, you know, I had no idea about uh, what it was to be blind. So there was a lot of drama um, and I suffered from, you know, depression and anxiety for a while and it placed a huge sort of stress on my life and also my marriage, which split up at the same time because of all those factors. So it was it was a very, very tough period in my life and eventually I got connected with some of the service providers like Vision Australia and Guide Dogs and started to to learn some skills to basically become useful again and one thing sort of led to another where I found that I could continue to do things in my life. I could be useful to my family and my friends and you know, work, etc. So it was a slow path to recovery, so to speak. And did you end up staying in the same line of work or did you completely shift that altogether? Yeah, look, I was lucky that in my previous work, I was a fairly highly sought after professional. So I ended up staying in the same line of work. However, I switched the focus to training and mentoring younger people who were effectively doing the nuts and bolts of, of my job. And I started that in a slow way, whereas I, I would come into the office and sort of spend a day a week and then gradually increase that to where I am now, where I'm doing about three days per week. 
slowly now I do more of the work of the nuts and bolts myself, I guess, but I still have a huge element of my work is training, mentoring, teaching other people, managing them, you know, setting them a lot of tasks to get on with whilst I sort of organise and structure the future going forward, I guess. So I take it that while your loss of vision had an impact on your work, obviously it sounds like it's the sort of job that you could keep doing fairly successfully in some way or other. Yeah, I think a couple of things have happened that amongst um, my own sort of personal changes. I work in computer software and one of the things that's sort of changed within Australia is this kind of advent of cloud computing. And that has also led to a lot of remote kind of conversations, sort of video conferencing type conversations and dealing with people in all sorts of different places. I think probably 10 years ago, business was expecting people to turn up, you know, on site and have a a meet and greet kind of conversation. So that's changed and that's probably been very much to my benefit. So I, I, I was always having conversations with clients and understanding their needs and their business processes, and I still do that today. And I would say probably 90% of the people that I talk to, I don't need or ever have the want to tell them that I'm visually impaired or blind, um, and it never really is a factor in what I'm doing. So yeah, the industry has changed alongside with my own personal changes. What's the level of your vision now? I can see a little bit of light on dark contrast, so only white on black. So I can kind of tell when it's daylight and I can kind of tell when it's nighttime. I wouldn't say it's it's not useful. I think any little bit of vision that you'd have left is somewhat useful, but I can't read anything or see people or anything like that. So I guess people would call that light perception only. On the work front, it sounds like mostly it's been a positive journey and you're finding your way back into that slowly but surely what about in other ways how did the blindness impact you on um, other levels of your life yeah so I guess the other levels of my life I would sort of split up into my personal independence and then my responsibilities as being a dad so I guess on my personal independence that's been okay I've, I've slowly learned skills like orientation and mobility um, I've always been pretty up with technology in terms of, you know, iPhones and, and some of those gadgets. So I, I do tend to get on quite well with some of those areas of my life. I'm, I'm quite comfortable now in my personal life when I need to, you know, go somewhere, get somewhere, meet someone, read an email, all those sorts of things I'm pretty comfortable with. I think that the part that's taken me a lot longer is figuring out my responsibilities of being a dad. So there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of my worry, I guess, would come about how do I keep my kids safe? I mentioned that, you know, my marriage broke up. So I'm now a single dad. I do look after my kids a little bit less than 50% of the time. And there's lots of complications with that. Simple things about getting them to and from school and making sure they're safe and making sure that um, we don't walk on the road, et cetera, making sure they don't have rashes, making sure that when you know I need to give them Panadol, I, I give them the right amount. There's a lot of things like that that um, have taken me a long time to come to terms with. And I guess as I've grown in my experience, they've gotten older and they're a little bit more independent now. So I don't have to do some of the more mundane things like you know changing nappies and getting them dressed in, in their correct clothes in the correct way and stuff like that so I would probably say that the the parenting part has by far been the hardest part of my change in going blind it's caused me the most amount of 
worry and anxiety. And it continues to be um, an area that continues to take a lot of organisation. The challenges have changed. Uh, as I said, you know, I'm no longer changing nappies, but now organising to take my kids to birthday parties and mm. responding to RSVPs that are written in on, on pieces of paper and figuring out a present and making sure that my kids get to wear their fairy wings and all sorts of stuff like that. So different challenges and it still takes a lot of effort and organisation, but I feel like I'm mostly on top of it at the moment. How about from a social perspective? Did you find that the social groups you were hanging with, uh, do you find that they're still the same? I know that given that your work's the same, some of those connections may still be there, but what about in other ways? I'm pretty lucky that I had always been really close friends with a number of people from my high school, quite strangely. I'm not sure if that's a normal thing in, in Australian culture, but um, there was probably about 20 people from high school that I would continue to socialise with well into my 30s. And that hasn't changed too much. The things that we might do are slightly different, yeah. but we still managed to, to socialise and catch up. Now, and again, that's changed as more of them have, I guess, got married and had kids and had different sort of responsibilities. So that's been different. But yeah, I do, I guess, on the meeting new people front, that's been hard. I think one of the real positives I've had is that I started a couple of years ago through sort of networking with a, a friend of mine who I met through blindness. She introduced me to an organization called Achilles, which is a running group for yes. disabled people. And it's just awesome to make some of those connections with some new people that I guess I wouldn't normally. Yeah, so that's been great to the point where, you know, some of the people that I run with through the Achilles organization, you know, I now hang out with them on the weekends and they have kids and I have kids and we do things together. So it's been great in that way. But I think as well, you know, I, I do like meeting new people and, and some of my good memories of work are when new people turn up and I actually get to know them on a social level and I feel like I can be social still um, and get to know people even though I can't see them and I don't recognise their face, I can start to recognise their voice, etc. So it, it's different but I guess I still enjoy the same things that I used to. I do wish that when I went to my local coffee shop I could have a way of recognising the same people and saying hi and stuff like that but I guess that I recognise that that's changed and it's part of where I live as well. Sydney's quite a insular kind of society where people are very worried about their day and their life and being busy and, and all sorts of stuff. So I, I, I don't think it's all to do with being blind. I think no. it's definitely to do with the way that well, the world is today. Yeah. So, yeah, I've purposely involved myself in some of the social activities where I feel like people are more outgoing, more friendly, more willing to communicate with you, uh, and that's really helped me. You're listening to Blind Citizens Australia's Life Ready Podcast. I'm Steve Richardson and I'm speaking with Rocco Kutri. So you mentioned that uh, running's something that you do on weekends. What are some of the other things that you enjoy doing in life? I've always loved uh, comedy and live comedy. Mm -hmm. So I kind of make it a point to organise that when I can. And that's been good because, you know, in the past I used to always head down to the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but Sydney's now got a comedy festival which is 
probably not as good, but it has a lot of the similar people. So I usually make a point of, you know, talking to friends and quote unquote enticing them with my companion card status that we could <laughs> be able to um, get to some extra comedy shows. When those things are on, I try and binge on those for a while because that's probably one of the areas of um, entertainment where I'm pretty much sure that it's 90% audio based rather than needing to go to, so let's say, a movie. And I'm sure we've all had unpleasant experiences trying to get the audio description working at, yes. at the movie. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love going to the comedy. Today when we're recording is a nice warm day, so I'm going to head to the beach later. I still enjoy that, you know, just the, I guess, the feeling of the water and the sun. Beach is very resetting. I always find that trying to get to the beach as often as I can is always, for me, a reset. I think one of the things I like about the beach is that I guess what I've become more appreciative of now is when you go there and you, you, you may lie there on the on the sand and have a conversation with other people, it feels like you're quite isolated. Even though there's lots of people around, for some reason the sound doesn't really... It's in the background, but it's not in your face. Whereas mm. if you were in a restaurant or a cafe, the sound tends to kind of bounce all over the place. Yes. And it makes it hard to have a, a deep conversation, let's, let's say. Whereas you can go to the beach and you can have a conversation with someone. It feels very personal to me. So I do like that. I guess I've noticed that more recently. Mm. But yeah, a lot of the same reasons. I love the water. I love the feel of it and it does bring about a calmness. Um, so I really enjoy that. I've always been a coffee person. So uh, there's no shortage of coffee shops and stuff in Sydney. And, and there's uh, indeed no shortage of people, friends and family who are willing to enjoy a coffee with me. So that's always been good, quite similar in my life. I did have a period there where I avoided things like TV and movies. However, I think you know, in the last few years, there's been a bit more uh, available on iTunes and I'm now, you know, streaming a lot of stuff through Netflix, which has got great audio description. So I'm really enjoying some of that. And I've always been into fantasy and science fiction kind of uh, books. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of my Audible subscription and I can find that I get completely lost and inundated by uh, by a really good book. I guess I love the storytelling aspect of it and I love the physics and the psychology, I guess, of, the, of you know these magical universes, so to speak. So I really get lost in, in a lot of those books. And I never was an audiobook person before. Um, I think I used to dabble in an e-reader, but I probably would have preferred the, you know, a, a paperback book as such. But a lot of these audiobooks now, the, the quality of them is amazing. You know, the readers are so professional um, and they do... They do bring a lot to the story, I think. So it is very entertaining for me and I do enjoy audiobooks. And I'm very much looking with one point in the future thinking about how much the Marrakesh Treaty might bring to my life because I do struggle with a lot of the titles that I want to find aren't available through, say, the Vision Australia Library at the moment, which Hi. I'm thinking positively might be one of these things that is a positive benefit to me from the, from the treaty. Who are some of your favourite sci-fi fantasy authors, do you think? <sighs> Oh, wow. Probably for the past year, I've been absolutely infatuated with an author called Brandon Sanderson, and he has a number of series. And I think the thing I love about his writing and his books are that they're great stories. The stories themselves have plot twists and things that you don't see coming. I guess I've, I've read a lot of books where there might be thrillers or mysteries or, or crime or something like this, and 
I kind of get halfway through and I think, okay, what's the plot twist? What's coming? You know, because I think that's what authors try now is, you know, have you reading this book and there's a twist that you don't see coming at mm, the end. Yeah. And I guess even though he's a fantasy writer and you, I guess the, the popular thought is that fantasy writers are just writing about swords and sorcery and stuff like this. Yep. His are great stories with amazing themes running through the stories and I guess twists and plots and so on and so forth that you don't ever recognize in amongst all that swords and sorcery kind of stuff as well great characters great character development and just really amazing and so absolutely original the kind of concepts and the worlds that he delivers are just unique things that i've never read before and have me wishing that he would release so many more books and he said he's quite a he feels he's a quite a prolific writer but he said compared to some of the um previous science fiction or fantasy writers he's probably very slow so yeah so i've been i guess infatuated with him recently and then i've just started reading an author called jim butcher and some of those are actually available in the vision australia library and i think some of them the later ones are not so i'm getting my mind around those and of course i've done all the classics like tolkien and game of thrones and all those kind of ones as well i do have other kind of genres that i enjoy i do like the kind of the sherlock holmesy kind of genre if you can call it that the popular one of of those being jack reacher series i quite like that um and i'm very happy that he releases a book every year i'm pretty sure so um, i do have those other genres as well that i merge into but i think i always end up coming back into in fantasy or science fiction as my favorite genre the one that really appeals to me i think I, i end up usually having like three or four books on a list of these sort of backups but then i i'll always deviate from them to get back into my favourite genres. Yeah. Do you have any other interests or other things that you do, music or, or any other sort of thing that you like to do? Yeah, I do like music and I, I think I used to probably go to a lot of more live things in my younger years. I haven't really connected with that so much in the past. I think I've sort of felt a little bit out of touch with it and I think that's possibly because I don't listen to the radio as much. I guess I'm not in a car anymore. I, I think maybe I sort of attach the radio listening experience to when I used to drive in a car and sort of keeping up to date with the latest bands and, and things like that and who are essentially the people who end up touring as much. I tend to listen now to things that obviously things that I know, like probably most of us do, but also I've just, um, you know, I've got a, some Google devices around my home and I just listen to some playlists and I'm pretty happy just with that most of the time. I'm pretty big into sport. However, somehow my past I decided that I was gonna I was gonna appreciate soccer and basketball over the more traditional sports in Australia. <laughs> which which is an interesting problem because they're harder to find in terms of radio broadcasts. Yes, so yes. I used to play basketball and I used to go to a lot of the local basketball games. I I don't obviously I don't go to those games or or play that sport anymore. I've just no. found that a bit too hard. But, yeah, so I, I listen to uh, American basketball because that's the one that's available with the radio kind of coverage. And then I listen to some of the English soccer. It's just really hard to find the hours to do those things. And I refer mainly to the time in the night. When I sort of went blind, I went through a large patch of insomnia uh, which I've mostly overcome now. Part of that is that I don't stay up really late at night and I don't get up in the middle of the night to listen to or watch sports that I previously would have because I'm so scared of falling back into that insomniac kind of routine. Yep. So I'm really dedicated now to going to bed at a certain time and getting up at a certain time and not breaking that cycle. So I, I miss a lot of the 
the live kind of games. And I never really find that I have a desire to rewatch or replay or re-listen to sport once it's happened live. I don't know why. There's something in my mentality that says it's not as exciting. So um, I follow the results. And basketball is something that is usually, for, for, for the American basketball at least, is something that it seems to be on during the daytime in Australia when it's, I guess, nighttime over there. Uh, yep. Just the, the time frame just lines up a lot better than than the European kind of things yeah. uh, line up in Australia. So, yeah, I tend to get the opportunity to, to listen to a lot more games of, of basketball, and that's pretty easy these days with things like TuneIn Radio. You can you know buy a pass with TuneIn Radio or some of the apps have subscriptions, and they're not terribly expensive. So, no. yeah, I partake in those kind of things. I do go occasionally to AFL games. That's okay. But you've got to take and your radio. <laughs> got to take your radio yeah i think the first game i went to i didn't realize that the digital app i guess was so far behind the live action oh yes there's that and problem. i was about yeah 30 or 40 seconds behind the action i you know i was like it's very disorientating so yeah the times after that i've always taken my little radio that i bought for ten dollars yep. from kmart or whatever yep. so that's been a good experience i do enjoy the afl i probably haven't i used to go to nrl games but uh, that's probably more in my local area there was a team that got made defunct from the competition. So it's been a bit harder to get excited about the NRL. I don't think it's got anything to do with my blindness. It's more just to do with the fact that I've I lost sort of touch with that that part of the game. Yep. And I absolutely love the Big Bash. That's the cricket. I pretty much listen to every game over summer. I really enjoy that competition. And I wish there was a way that the Australian Cricket Association could find more of the test team or more of the contracted Australian players to play in the Big Bash because I think it would make it even more exciting. My experience of test cricket was that it would be one of those things where in my past where you would have it on the TV and occasionally you'd glance at it, but in the meantime you'd be doing different things. Whereas I don't really find that that's something I can do anymore. I'd see that because I'm listening to it via the audio um, mechanism, I'm either fully engaged or I'm not engaged at all. And it makes that kind of glancing kind of option not, not viable for me at least. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I tend to prefer short, sharp, to the point, I'm engaged for a couple of hours and then it's over. <laughs> and then, then that's... Um, you move on to the next thing. Exactly, exactly. That That's a lot more entertaining for me than trying to catch up with the five days of test cricket, which is, yeah, I find a bit complicated. Because it's really interesting. I mean, what I'm finding, the more I talk to you about things, it's almost like you've had a shift in the way that you process and the way you do things. The radio was mainly something you stuck on while you were driving. The TV mm. was something you stuck on while you were doing other things. Now mm. that you have to process information in a different way, audio rather than sort of the casual visual glance. You focus more on the things maybe in different ways, but it's it's almost been a shift in the way that you um, approach some of these things that you enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would I completely agree with that statement. It's different, but I'm still partaking, I guess, in some of the same things that I've always enjoyed, but in very different ways, yeah. The only thing I probably would say that I do in that kind of same method that I probably previously would have multitasking is, um, you know, some, something like a podcast where um, I listen to podcasts when I'm, you know, making myself dinner, when I'm doing the washing, when I'm hanging out the washing, all those sorts of things. So those are things that I kind of feel that I can divide my attention. Something that's very tactile that I don't feel like it obtrudes engaging my listening skills, for, for want of a better word. So what about the future? What have you thought about what's going to happen in the future or where life might take you? Obviously, we don't really know and that's a fairly big 
question, but have you got any plans for things that you might like to do or achieve? It's a big question. I do have plans. I wouldn't say they're 10 years in the future. They're probably like one or two years in the future. There's still a lot of things that I feel that I need to get better at. I'd like to learn Braille because I haven't learned Braille. And I see that as a really important skill in terms of uh, lots of aspects of my life, you know, particularly work and communication and so on and so forth. Yep. So I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd like to, you know, just get better at, at some of my adaptive technology. I'm, I'm quite good with my iPhone and I rely on it really heavily, but I'm mediocre at things like JAWS. So I'd like to be able to get better skills at those kind of things and just getting more comfortable getting around different environments that I don't know. At the previous uh, Blind Citizens Conference, you know, there was people talking about the amount of travel they do and that kind of appeals to me in terms of just being able to feel really comfortable with traveling would be great. For me, at the moment, it's something that I'm confident doing, but I wouldn't necessarily go and do it all the time if I didn't need to um, or if I, you know, I wouldn't put myself in that position without a lot of um, thought about why I was putting myself in that position. Whereas I just want to, I guess I'd just love to be able to say, yep, I'm going on holiday and this is going to be great. And so travel will be there. But I guess like longer term, probably my first thoughts are just being a lot more comfortable with my kids. And part of that is, you know, them getting older again and maybe being in high school and not needing me to drive them everywhere and to the doctor or, you know, needing to organize their life, all those sorts of things. Yep. And then probably around my health, I'd like to be able to do more running, do more sort of stuff for fitness. And probably I have, uh, you know, goals or thoughts of um, finding myself in a relationship again. I'm not sure exactly what that would entail, but I think I enjoyed that period of my life and I'd like to find that again. And really just enjoying life, yeah, just having a balance between the work, the family, the personal, the health and well-being. I guess just finding a place where I'm enjoying myself rather than it being hard. <laughs> that's that's a summary. Yeah. It's been really interesting chatting with you, Rocco. I think what I've enjoyed most about this is just listening to how you now perceive your world as opposed to how you used to perceive it. And I find it really interesting to learn from someone like yourself who's recently gone blind, the way in which things have changed for you and the way in which you have had to adapt in order to continue to live the best way you could. Thanks, Steve. Fantastic. So all the best with your future and thanks very much for your time. Absolutely. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks, Steve. I've been speaking with Rocco Kutri. For Blind Citizens Australia, this has been Steve Richardson and the Life Ready Podcast. I do hope you can join me next time round. Until then, take care. Yeah.